This podcast is brought to you by Bloke in a Bar. Yes, it is, mate. We are all done and dusted with the podcast royale now, and we are looking forward to Magic Round. We yeah. are. You know what that means? What does that mean, Josh? It means there's going to be thousands of people in the Caxton car park getting blokes down their throats. Thousands of people getting thousands of blokes down thousands of throats. It's going to be so fucking sick. Do you reckon there's ever been more blokes down blokes' throats? And women's throats as well In one place at one time Absolutely not Guinness, no. Guinness World Records were here They'd be breaking that record And there's not a place that I'd rather get a bloke down my throat Than the Caxton Car Park at Magic Round No, it's the greatest place to get a bloke down your throat So guys, if you want to get a bloke down your throat And you're not going to be at the Caxton Make sure you go to blokeatabar.com Put in your postcode on the store locator And find out where you can get some bloke Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Clutzy, have you heard about the brand new way to make money? No. Do you want to hear about it? Yes, please tell me more. It's a foolproof method. Foolproof? Yeah, foolproof, yeah. Foolproof is the word I'm looking for, method. Uh, It's called going to dominoes.com.au and entering the the code BBB2DL and getting two pizzas and two sides from $25 delivered. Oh, so you're basically getting it for free. You're basically getting it for free. You're basically making money at that price. They're giving it away. That is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why I haven't done it before. It's one of the fucking simplest life hacks I've ever I've ever come across in my life. Uh, do you want to tell the lovely people about their brand new pizza, the Philly cheesesteak? Oh my God, yes I do. The Philly cheesesteak. Now, for those who don't know what a Philly cheesesteak is, it's this glorious thing on a bun usually with uh, a bunch of nicely finely chopped up meat and just uh, capsicum peppers and cheese and Domino's have just gone where we've heard Klutzy talk about Philly cheesesteaks way too many times so we've chucked it on a pizza so the big fella can just keep eating and eating and eating I've seen Klutzy get very very excited over food plenty of times but I've never (laughs) seen him get as excited and as animated as the first time he tried the Philly cheesesteak pizza so if you're out and about this weekend and you need your pizza fix make sure you go to Domino's uh, try the Philly cheesesteak pizza there's a host of codes which are pinned on our Instagram and in our Facebook group to give you a cheeky little discount too uh, plenty of different bundles, so check them out. And thank you to Domino's for supporting the show this week. Righto, Frothies, we've got a very special episode for you today. A bit of a bonus app for your Thursday, Arvo. Yeah, that's it. You might have seen some stuff around the traps where we, uh, we've we teed up an interview with probably Darcy and I's favourite uh, DJ of all time, one of our favourite artists of all time, What's So Not. 100%. Um, still can't believe that it actually happened and we got to yeah. hang out with the great man. Uh, we think it's a really cool chat. He's an amazing artist who's done some fucking really cool shit in his life. So it was sick to be able to sit down with him, uh, unpack a lot of stories, but also yep. chat through his new album and his upcoming live show, uh, which is currently touring the nation. Right. It is one of the coolest charts and he's honestly completely different to how I thought he would be. Like the way that he is about his music and how he goes about the grind and basically his living conditions is the thing that wigs me out the most. Yeah, like it's what he's been doing for the last six years, it's, basically. It's pretty interesting. Uh, he's the man behind the Hilux anthem, Tell Me, What So Not. Uh, tune in and uh, let us know what you think about the interview. Good morning. This is me again. What? 
Awesome not. Righto, guys, welcome back. We've got a bit of a bonus episode. Um, so it's not just myself and Das this evening. We've actually got a very special guest in the house. He's currently on a tour around Australia. Uh, what's so not? How are we going, bro? Oh, it's good, boys. How are we? Mate, good, spectacular. Mate. Welcome uh, to the Kaka. Thank yeah, you. Welcome to the Mighty Caxton Hotel. This is our, our little love <laughs> den up here. So. I've been loving the hospital so far. Come pick me up in the ute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mate. Straight to the Quad X. Yeah. That's it. The, uh, the BBB <laughs> limo. It's yeah, in that's full it. swing at the moment. That's it. So. There's a bit of a wig out for both of us. We are saying uh, in the car on the way over here, we've been to literally every one of your Brisbane shows since we turned. 18 so yeah. uh maybe even a little before 18 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. probably just youtube sets but uh it's, it all counts it all counts so. i was saying man you fucking got the dividing yeah, dude. that's like it's, the og merch from uh, back in the day i actually had one of the ones with the um you know like the bamboo what's so not but no, it, it all that, peeled that off merch. yeah, yeah. first merch ever yeah, yeah yeah so we uh we're yeah big fans mate big fans stoked Bro, to have you here that's hardcore big love Oh, actually, I was lucky enough a few years ago to come down to Monavale for your birthday bash as well. No way! Yeah, and uh, it was pretty cool. I heard you talk at, I can't even remember where it was. It was like a little thing beforehand. Yeah, so like a theatre room upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were talking about um, sort of the early days and starting off. So we thought we'd start there. But Sick. Because I'm pretty sure you're an accountant, weren't you? Yeah. That is so <laughs> scary. It was crazy. Like, I was partying a lot. And then I think it was my dad. He's like... You need to get a fucking job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like, maybe even like, or you, you got to get out of this house. So I don't know if it got that far, but it was like, you need to get a job. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, all right. So I started the same week. I had my first ever gig DJing and I started working as an accountant. Just as like, I was- <laughs> A dad. Yeah. Cause he, he did that. So he sort of knew the lay of the land with it and all that. And he helped me get a job. And I was at uni, I was doing science. Um, I actually really like, I did like physics and psychology and stuff and yep. I really liked that, but um, I didn't like college at all. Like it just, the way they try and fill you with information did not work like for overload. my brain type. Yeah. Like a lot of it really is just, it's about your memory and that's yeah. it. It's, it's like it's not like right learning, not like yeah. It's, yeah. it's not like hands dirty practical. Like I'm a hands dirty kind of like I got to yeah. get in there, I got to feel, I got to understand it. Yeah, and like oh, my brain almost doesn't retain things unless I understand the intertwining the inner workings of it yeah. and yeah. everything. You have so to understand how it works instead of just memorizing yeah. how to do it. Basically, it's sort of like if someone tells me something, I don't believe them unless I go and do like, it. You Actually, know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, me, yeah. university was like that. They're like. This is how it is, and I'm like, but why? How? Like, yeah. What's the what's the underlying fundamentals of all of that? So yeah, it didn't mesh with me, but I, I did it, and then I ended up just keep working. Um, I was working like three days a week as an accountant, and then studying accountancy, um, and then I was just every spare minute making music, doing bootlegs, practicing DJing, all that. And yeah, it was no. it was like early days. I feel like for kids that DJ, like when I was in high school, there was there was a, a duo and they were the only people in the whole school that DJed. It was a very new thing yeah. because you can imagine it was vinyl. Yeah. Like only a couple of years before I started it, it was strictly vinyl. CDJs hadn't come in yet. No sync button. Well, yeah, was none <laughs> of that. No, <laughs> no screen even. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the whole thing was like, you can imagine if you're a kid, you don't have 20 bucks to buy one song. Yeah. Like you don't have that kind of money. So DJing was really something for adults. It yeah. wasn't for kids. But yeah. then, I was like the the first generation of oh we can just steal all this from online, <laughs> off blogs and yeah, whatever else, wire. and then we can uh, burn it onto CDs and then we can go and play these gigs and that. So yeah, yeah it was mental. it was really cool to be part of that that era. Like 
blog house, as they used to call it, if yep. for everyone, every, everyone that might know or not, was like that whole MySpace beginning of um, Facebook sort of era music that was on all the blogs and everything. And, and yeah, that was like when I turned 17, 18. That's so crazy. That's mental. I was yeah. going to say like... Back in the day when I was a lot younger, one of dad's mates was like a DJ on the side. And my whole idea of a DJ growing up was just like this old bloke who stands up there and just plays 80s tracks back to back. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, how do they get all this electronic stuff in there? And just yeah. thought that like, you must be like the most creative wizards out there to be able to make all these cool sounds and stuff. But It was very cool to start because I think mm. Australia was lucky in how thriving its music culture was then. We had some of the best bands in the world and some of the best DJs in the world. Yeah. And you had, um, you know, festivals like Park Life back in the day. I remember all the Ed Banger crew like Justice and Busy P and they all came and they saw like uh, who ended up signing me, Ajax. Yeah. They saw him who was like Australia's number one DJ like a few years in a row when I was sort of coming of age. And they said, this is the best DJ we've ever seen in the world. Yep. And that was like That's the so biggest sick. act in That's the world amazing. at the time. Because yep. Justice was huge. Yeah. Still yeah. are, and that And that was like our, um, yeah, that was our coming of age. Just going to a club on the weekend and they're like just jumping up and just doing it and smashing it. Like That's using, so cool. he, used to, he used to do, uh, he'd play like with four different vinyl turntables and be like doing live mashups across four decks. And that then is so crazy. Eventually switched to CDJs and then there was all the hot cue abilities and yeah. the, like being able to make your own edits and things like that. So yeah, it was it was mental and we were so lucky we didn't realize, and, you know, of course acts like the presets, cut copy, Vanshee, Midnight Juggernauts, yeah. all of that stuff was like, oh, this is just normal. This is, And yeah. I realized later in life, I was like, no, that was a very special time in yeah. music history. Dude, I feel a bit like that now. Like we're a bit older now. We're what, 28? Yeah. But when we were sort of... 20 to 25 when we're going out every weekend that's when the likes of like w there was years where we would have seen you skrillex rl grime golden features Bro, but all just like at our local clubs yeah. like it's Stereo just crazy Sonic, you go to oh hello and it's just like yeah. everyone is just headline is just crammed into this i remember first, that like. the night after stereo sonic it was day two and we'd had a massive night the night before and i was like oh, i don't know if i can go out tonight and you were playing this tiny little club oh hello and there was rumours that Skrillex going to go back there. And it was like, oh, surely not, surely not. <laughs> and I remember you were up there playing and there was just a photo that like circulated the club of Skrillex in there. And it was like, holy shit. And you guys played, I reckon, until the sun came up. Yeah, It was insane. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking insane. Um, tell us about like starting that sort of phase of your career in Sydney. What was the Sydney nightlife sort of like? Oh, it's, that's a really good question because I was playing clubs in Sydney and a little bit around Australia – from about that time I was talking about, mm. I started playing interstate reasonably quick after I started doing it, maybe like a year in or so. Yeah. And when I, when the What's In Up project started, I'd say it was the biggest dead spot creatively of that I'd ever seen in Australia, uh, in the nightlife scene. Yeah. There was just not anything that was taking hold that was interesting, um, and most of the clubs were like. 128 BPM strictly yep. and pretty bland straight down the line music. Yeah. And um, I, at that same period, I, we get sent like promos from all these different record labels and stuff. And, it, and, and I check Beatport charts and all that. And it got to the point where I was like, man, all of this just sounds the same. It's all yep. boring. And I was yep. like, that was when I was really like, I'm going to just make the things that I have in my head and work out how to make them. And then, I, I, like I, I don't want to just keep listening to hundreds of promos and they're all just the same shit just so yeah, the bland. same shit I was gonna yeah. say man like credit to you because it's 
we've been listening for at least 10 years now and you have such a distinctive sound that you've never really gone away from. <laughs> it's always so weird right. as well. Like yeah. it's just <laughs> fucking, you never know what's going to happen and it's fucking always weird, but that's it's crazy. That's awesome. Thank you. It's um, like, like, just think you're like, you know, like the quack lawnmower, just that sort of thing. Yeah. Like you can picture exactly what it is. And yeah. I'm just like, that is I, so sick. I remember watching a YouTube video of you talking about making that major laser, major laser uh, bootleg back in the day. Yeah. And you like had that drum loop that you couldn't do anything with. And then yeah. you just had that one synth like, duh, duh, duh. Yeah, just and you're literally like, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's music though. Yeah, you know, yeah. like if you break it down at its core, there's 12 notes, yeah. yeah, you know, and then there's just bending in between them and whatever you want to do. And there's only so many chord progressions you can do. Like, yeah. and so the, uh, they also say the, the greatest riffs of all time can be played with a novice on a piano with one finger. Yeah. Because it is very simple. Yeah. Like great music is the, the, at least the core elements are quite simple. And then the complexities come into the dynamic and, and the transitions between sections and chord changes and choices and delivery and intention and all of those things. Yeah. But it is, at its core, it's very simple. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. Yeah. I think you just smoke on the water on the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. All the biggest songs, it's like simple riffs. Yeah. Even like, uh, We Will Rock You by Queen. Dun, dun, cha. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Bob yeah. who did it's the, um, like the so four simple. chord song where they basically just play all these like hits and it's the same four chords exactly. and everything works. Yeah, that's... Yeah, Mental to think about, but uh, yeah, back back to your question. Like, it, it was that era when I don't, there wasn't much going on, and then um, there's a few things that I think broke the mold. One was dubstep, yeah, began its like global popularity, mm. and that was a gateway to venues being accepting of alternate tempos. For a long time in Australia, there wasn't much else played in dance clubs besides 128 BPM. So like just if, if you got booked for a set, they'd just be like, they'd have to, they give you guidelines basically on what you can play. Oh yeah. Across different periods of my come up in the scene, yeah. there was definitely times where if I played the wrong sort of tunes, they'd kick you off. Yeah. Like, That's crazy. Like the, the first shows I was doing, like I think what got my chops up really hard in, in the scene was I used to play at this venue, Candy's apartment in Sydney in yep. the King's Cross. And for a long time, they gave me the graveyard shift. So I was on 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. And usually I was driving in and doing that, like a drive in at like 2.33 in the morning because I live like 45 minutes away from the city. And the longer I could hold that crowd, the more I got paid. So sometimes I got on at 4, there was barely anyone left in the venue. And if I couldn't keep them there, keep them like enjoying themselves, going to the bar, they yeah. just shut it off. So you're not going to play like a MO instead little demo out there? <laughs> well, that's the thing is I started making these bootlegs and because I was like, I think if I take this little chord stab, this little vocal chop that's really familiar, but then I add this uh, alternate drop or this uh, flip into this. And it started out like my understanding of production in general and creating originals came from the morphing and remixing of components of different songs because really it's kind of the same thing like nowadays you go into splice and you 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 just choose different sounds and samples or you you build something on a in your own um on as a synth patch or whatever but it's just choices it's like what are you going to pair with what how are you going to have that build and crescendo how are you going to add some emotion to that yeah so yeah i started um i realized i could hold the crowd longer and get paid more (laughs) and like have a better time if I started like condensing things and, and putting the best parts of the different songs rather than just like letting the original just sort of play out as it was. Yeah. And that was sort of my path, my first forte into production. Um, and then one of those bootlegs, I actually used to do it live. It was like this 
mashup of Fat Man Scoop and Dead Mouse, and then <laughs> and like slowed down into the hip hop bit, and then built up. And I used to do it live, like catching the the tempo shifters. That's crazy. And it, it was really hard because there's no syncing yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah, so yeah. like you beat matching by just sliding a, a by wide changing the speed basically exactly of, of by the changing track. the speed yeah, and like nice. pushing and pulling so they would come up together. And um, I had like two friends that that ran blogs back in the day, and uh, one of them heard me play it at the club. Like at four AM or some shit. He's like, "Mate, send me that." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Send me that. I'll put it on. I'll put it on the blog." And um, and I was like, "It's. I just did that." Like, <laughs> it, he's like, "Well, go like, go program it and send it." And then I did that, and it went to. If you guys remember Hypem, do you remember Hype Machine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vaguely, it yeah, was like yeah. a. Essentially, it was like a a very underground, non-sales related version of Billboard, like yep. the Billboard yep. charts, yep. but it was just for pirated music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it went number one. Straight away. Oh, like, first thing I ever made went number one on there. And then the second thing I ever made, I sent to Ajax, who I was talking about before, who was, like, the head of Bang Gang, which were these crazy DJs. He started Sweat It Out with yep. Matt from Your Land Be Cool. The second thing I ever made, I sent to him. And then two weeks later, I was at a festival he was playing at, and he just drops it in the middle of his set. That's so, so sick. So I was like, all right, I, I'm still learning how to do all this stuff, but yeah. I think I understand, like, what works and, yeah. and where it can end up and, and how to get it there. For you, man, you're probably just standing there going, like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, that's uh, such I, a cool I, thing. I, was, I couldn't believe what was going on. It was, like, yeah. my hero at the time and still yeah. kind of a hero, you know, just, like, dropping yeah. this tune. First time I ever spoke to him, second thing I ever made. That's insane. That's so sick. Isn't there a story that I've heard of you – jumping the fence at a festival to see Pendulum or something and then playing the same festival the next year or? <laughs> yeah, there was a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> I got into a bit of trouble when I was younger, right? I was like, I was a good person, but I was, I was like just lost. You just know? having yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, just living. Yeah. Um, yeah one other thing I wanted to ask, one of my favourite things when we were sort of going out all the time and, you know, we were pretty much obsessed with that sort of music was my favorite thing would be every time you drop a new mix on soundcloud or youtube or whatever it'd be like obviously i knew all your originals but you'd always throw in like these carmack tracks or just tracks yeah. th from people that i had never even heard of oh that sick. was like that was the what, intro to them yeah and like wow. how much of a part of that how much of that was a part of your sort of your persona i guess or your you know what's so not as playing mm. shows was it like finding these tracks that made because i remember going to see you and hearing someone just being like holy Fuck, yeah. what is this? Like, <laughs> it's insane. Uh, I, one of my biggest memories of something like that was um, my 21st. We're at Castaway Festival at Sandstone Point. Oh, sick. And, um, that was me in was Features, like, wasn't it? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was like one of the first times you played your Inner Bloom remix. Yeah. No way. Yeah. And we like... We're all there just going, oh, like this is the It might not have like, even been out. I don't think point. it was. No, it, it was wasn't like an unreleased. The yeah. next day, man, I'm there going, in a bloom, what's or not, what the fuck, where is it? <laughs> but I was just like, this is so sick. And I'd listened to Rufus a little bit, but then yeah. that got me fully into Rufus. Yeah. Like, That's fucking sick. Fuck, how good is that? Yeah, it's, it's but like, I, I feel like that might be like the music scene is that you guys are so supportive of each other mm. and like everyone sort of works off each other and, like, yeah, I think yeah. community is one of the most important things across time I've seen that matters mm. for anything. If, if you don't have a community, if you don't all like really, honestly, I was playing songs I thought were cool. Yeah. yeah. They just happened to be by people I became friends with. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so cool. But it's usually how you get them before they're out too. It's like you end up being friends with these peers of yours that do similar things in, in slightly different ways. And then um, you all just love each other. You all just play each other's songs because yeah. you yeah. reckon they rip. Yeah. And then that just 
you know, without even realizing, just benefits your whole community and all you see and everyone yeah. gets into yeah. it because it's cool. How did you sort of go from like the Australian scene to say like a US scene? Because you started getting pretty big over there as well. Yeah, um, it was. I met um, Skrillex because we had this one show here in Australia. Yeah, and there was two parts. So I met him uh, on like New Year's mm. in the New Year's where two thousand. 13 turned into 2014. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just a couple of months before that, I'd um, played on the Stereosonic tour on the hard stage. And the hard stage was like Danny, well, Danny Bell and Gary Richards yeah. who run Holy Ship, who run yeah. Hard Summer, like all these huge festivals in America. And um, so it was those two things. I played on their stage and had a, had a pretty reaping tour with them. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you haven't even been to America yet. Like we, we're going to put you on everything next year. And I was like, okay. okay so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, I'll do that. Uh, and then um, they even, they put me on Holy Ship. Like, I, th- I think it was the second Holy Ship that had ever happened. They like added me, I think, before I, like I'd never been to America. They didn't even tell me they were going to put, they just put my name on there. <laughs> once and, I, and I was like, oh, I guess I better work out the visa. And like, <laughs> <laughs> Dust gotta, off the passport. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I've got to get over there. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then that show was they, they actually moved everybody's set times by five minutes to squeeze me like I think a 25, 30 minute set time yeah, right. at the start of the night in this hall. And um, and because I'd met Skrillex and it was like 15 days after we met or something, we were written a couple of little tunes together while he was here and like went back to back at some parties and stuff. It was really fun. Yeah. And he like told every artist on the boat, like you have to come see these guys. Like you got to come see this. Like it's this whole new sound. It's this new thing. That is so cool. And he got... Pretty much every, like, it was like Diplo, Boys Noise, GTA, Bauer, like, just all of them, like, there to watch the show. And it was so packed side of stage that the stage manager was like, we can't have this many people here. It's blocking the fire exits and all this issue. And the only way, I think even, they even got Tiesto was there. Or shit. Like, it was just like, <laughs> like everyone up. in dance music. So Tiesto got- All the agents, all the managers, because, like, I think I only just got a US agent and stuff too. Yeah. Like, so- um. Anyway, I was like, the only way we can all stay is you actually have to go on stage and just stand behind. <laughs> so then it's like, <laughs> it's like everyone in EDM just like <laughs> on the stage behind for first ever show like oh in America. God. It's in international waters. Were you sweating like bullets? No, I was like, yeah, I know how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, we've been doing this in Australia for like yeah. six years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They only just heard about it. Yeah, like, so cool. yeah, like you know, the, the scene over here was mental. It was like yeah. me and Taku and Chet Faker. Yeah, and like, yeah. It's just yeah. like a mad yeah. scene of, you know, people. That, yeah, so went over there and just did the set. And there's one point where like, Boys Noise and Diplo are like rap battling over the top of one of the tunes we played. And yeah, it was, it was mental, dude. That is so cool. That was, that was, that was how that started. Yeah. I think that did a lot. There were a lot of really crazy um, sort of viral videos that happened from that set and, and, and that trip. And then, of course, like, like Gary and, and Danny had promised, they put me on every hard event that year. And then Sonny had just signed me to Ausla um, and – had done Jaguar as like yeah. the first song yeah. and then High You Are had started to blow up as well. Uh, and then Sonny was like, oh, dude, do you want to like play back to back with me at some stuff? And I was like, yeah, right. So he's like <laughs> playing like the biggest festivals in America. He's just like putting me like this little Australian <laughs> yeah. ass, like I just suddenly like closing festivals with him yeah, like back to back because he was so cool like that. He's like, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. Like if you're doing good stuff, like just come and Get like there, make it cry. a party and whatever. So That's yeah, so, so that that really is what kicked it all off. Those two things probably, um, and then um, yeah, just kept. I think tell me 
that yeah. tune with RL that dropped maybe three months after I first got over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and it's just like a, just like a snowball after that. Yeah. That's so sick. Yeah. Um, we were thinking before, like you've had a lot of collabs and stuff. So oh, tell me, tell me is also the Hilux anthem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. fucking yeah. Shout out Hilux. They renew yeah. that every yeah. year. Yeah. I get a little check. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so funny dead. seeing it. Like, <laughs> I remember when, when I first saw it, I was like, what the fuck? How are they using that track? Like, Maybe anytime like, any we do Hilux content from now on, we'll have it to use tell, me. tell me. Yeah, 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 keep yeah, it so. authentic, boys. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, we actually wanted to ask, obviously, coming home to Australia for this tour, but um, how, do the, how does the Aussie crowd compare to the US? Like, what's it like? You guys are nuts. Yeah? You yeah. Guys, like, and all the internationals say this. They say Australia is one of the best places in the world to play. Because I didn't awesome. want to I didn't yeah. want to pump up our own tyres too much. but Particularly Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. yeah good, good. Brisbane <laughs> is on the aggro tip of the most hype. I'll give you the hot tip. They're going to be at the front on Friday yeah, night. Yeah. They're going to be absolutely yeah. just getting everyone revved up. Yeah, 100%. Sick. But it's it's going to be a lot of fun. We should bring the couch. We should have the couch <laughs> set up in the mosh. <laughs> Couch surfing. Chuck the couch yeah. on my yeah. shoulders, get a few punters we'll up We'll just bring the highlights awesome. up out the back and, <laughs> and download it. I've got some LED lights on it apparently. Yeah. So oh, just, sick. Yeah, nah, so I've, um, I've watched a lot of uh, like a lot of different sets online and I always see the US crowds and I'm like, Fuck, what are they all doing? Like, yeah, just, just standing it. around. Like, yeah, and then you compare no, it to shows I've been to over here. And the right US crowds go hard. And yeah. I remember I had this experience because when I first got over there, um, I started like on tour with other acts like just to support yeah. and like playing – you know, regional cities that had probably yep. never even heard what's or not ever. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until I did this festival called Lightning in a Bottle. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's like, I think a bunch of the people that work and build stages for Burning Man, this is like their festival that yeah, they run okay. in, in like regional California. And I played that and I was like, oh, this is my people. Yeah. yeah like nice. I might, like some of the venues I first started in, might, there might've been like bottle service venues or they just, they didn't, have that sort of music yeah. yet they didn't know about it but then i played that and i was like oh no america yeah. can be a home for me yeah, like a serious home yeah but i've just got to find my people over here yeah yeah whereas everyone over here is just frothing and chomping yeah exactly. we had a, um, i forgot what the venue was called it's shut down now it was at west end but it's when you did your ankle yeah fuck it, it was, was so it was bad. when is when you toured this ep and uh, Divide and Conquer was un uh, Divide and Conquer was unreleased, and I knew you, like I'd heard it, and I was like, I've, oh, I cannot wait to hear it. And as it started, I like jumped, and one of my mates was behind me and lifted me up, and I landed, and my ankle just went boom, and I felt it pop. Never done it in my life, and I was like, oh, and I literally like. I was like, oh, it's pretty bad. And I walked out the back, so I was going to leave. And I was like, nah, fuck it, I'm here. And stayed, <laughs> and I stayed on it all night. And Josh's mum came and picked yeah, us up so and had good. to drop me home because I like, couldn't walk. Like, We really want to go out and like, we just need to keep the energy going. Yeah. And then Darcy was like, oh, fuck. It was fucked. Home. I like, like tore all the ligaments. It was me. fucked. It was so, so bad. I did like oh, 10 times after that I as like well. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. so good. <laughs> Mum just chucks him in the back of the Prado. I'll get you home. Drop yeah. the boys to the valley. And then drop me home, yeah. So good. God bless right. it, Um, One other thing we wanted to touch on, I've actually heard you speak about it before, but um, what happened, like, what was the effect of the lockout laws and stuff in Sydney? Because we had some lockout laws up here in Brizzy when we mm. were sort mm. of of the age of going clubbing every weekend, but it was a bit different. Like, I think ours was... Everything else was like no shots after midnight and you couldn't get let into a new venue after, after midnight one? or one. Yeah, yeah. Like everything shut at three, but you had to be in by one or something. Yeah. yeah. So ours was sort of like that. Um, I know I know a lot of detail about this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so 
the biggest problem that that situation started was Sydney was the anchor city for all touring. Yeah. It was usually jostling with Melbourne as like the core money maker for most people. So it'd be your biggest tour. show on your tour. And yeah, for, for most people's tour. Yeah. Um, the, tr- the problem with Melbourne is Melbourne is very particular and often set in house and techno. And it's yeah. been like that in electronic scene for a long time. Bands as bands as well, but it was not as fast adapting of different scenes. Yep. So if you knock out Sydney as a place that people can come and play, you actually knock out Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Because right. it's, you know, 2000 bucks to get one person over here. Plus if they bring a crew member, that's 4,000 bucks. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the cost of housing them for midweek because you don't want to put them on a few cities and, you, you know, you got to have them at one weekend and then the next as well. Yeah, whatever. you can't have them playing a Wednesday night or something. Yeah. So you, your costs, like, at the front then are, like, you know, three to five or six thousand bucks just yep. for an emerging act. Yep. So to make that money back, you're going to have to have Sydney as an anchor and then yep. maybe Brisbane and then maybe Melbourne and then maybe this one. Some, so if you take out Sydney, that's gone. Yeah, and then that that emerging act never exposes itself to Australia. Never gets big enough to get on a a big festival touring bill. Yeah, um, and that all just snowballs. So that's that's at the core of it what it did. Yeah. And and the reason it, it had that impact is because uh, the the rules they had was um, no reentry after one thirty, I think it was. Yeah, mm. and shut hard at three. Yeah. And no, well, no alcohol service after three. So that means venues can't make yeah, money after yeah, three. Because exactly, you can't yeah. get entry money and you can't get alcohol money. Yeah. Doesn't matter what bootlegs you're playing. Um, and the, the biggest problem with Sydney is our transport is terrible. Yep. And we have urban, urban sprawl. And we have really beautiful beaches. Yep. So most people, particularly in the good months, they're all hanging at the local beaches, the local bars, their yep. local yep. pubs. They can't even get to the city till like 12 or midnight. Yeah. I mean, so midnight or one o'clock or something. So like, yeah, yeah. So then, you know, people are getting out there by then, and then they the venue has half an hour or an hour to make money. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah, com- and then they couldn't take risks, and then they couldn't try new things, and then everything got really commercial, and it's it just like that. That is the the crux of a very complicated problem. But those I think are the two biggest things that yeah. uh, determine how it, it had a role and effect. Yeah. So someone like yourself, a few years prior earlier on in your career would have suffered because they never would have got booked for those uh, yeah, nev- emerging gigs. Never would have got a start. Yeah, yeah. Never would have had a supportive community. Never would have had uh, either been inspired or inspired others yep. to jump on this train, this exciting new venture in sound. Yeah. You just would have been cut off straight at the front. Yeah. Yeah. That is so fucked to like try and comprehend. Well, yeah. Ridiculous. I don't know. Like we're, you know, a little bit older now and not going clubbing as often. Um, but the club we just spoke about before that you and Skrillex played back to back at till the sun came up when we li- we literally just drove past it and it has like cladding. It's just yeah. shut. Like there's something yeah. else going there. So like, like, dude, that's where I went and listened to art, like a lot of artists for the first time. I remember. Hundred percent, dude. That's how I'm, that's how I found out about Golden Features because he yeah. supported you. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. Golden. I found out about Golden and. Um, was the other one DJ Snake? Yeah, that was wild. 2013, my missus broke up with me, and the boys fucking took me out on a Friday <laughs> night to see. We'll fix you up real good. <laughs> yeah. We'll fix you up, bro. That's so wild. Yeah. I just realised that Golden Features the first time I heard him was at that. I remember being outside in the smokers and everyone being like, "You need to get inside and hear this dude. He's fucking yeah. ripping." And I'm pretty sure he played a headline show like four months later, sold out at the same venue. Yeah. Like, yeah, wild, Crazy wild stuff. Shit. Um, bring it back. We need <laughs> yeah, fucking hope. <laughs> bring it back. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, one of, like, obviously, COVID was another tough period. One of my favorite things about it was your um, state of seclusion mix. It was oh, unbelievable. Sick, bro. You, you got to get because that back on YouTube. I felt like that went under the radar because everyone just was doing mix after mix after mix. And I put oh, so bro. much into it that was thing. Sick. When you're like floating like, in the pool like, and shit. So we used to, because uh, we didn't have as bad a lockout laws up here. And mm. we used to go to one of our mates' basements, soundproof basement. And we get it up on the Mac and we just have the speakers blaring and we'd be like, Sick. fuck it, we've just come out of isolation. Yeah. Let's chuck this on. Yeah. Um, and we were just like- Getting super weird. Getting super fucking weird to yeah. it. And I remember like this bloke was seeing this chick at the time, <laughs> bit of a weird lass. And she brought her friends around and we were like- how the fuck do we get them away? Yeah, we just How wanted to, we we just to, wanted to lock in. And like, yeah. So we went downstairs. We're like, wait. Cue it up. Cue it up. Cue it up. Put it on. And we're just there. I'm like ripping my shirt off. Fucking like really getting into it. And they're like, like oh, we're going to go. Like, please. Because oh, yeah, we are just getting fucking started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so good. Um, but what sort of impact did that period have on stuff, on your career, on basically everything? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel a bit selfish, but for me, COVID was really good. Yeah. Mm. It actually came at a time. I'd actually posted, I don't know if you remember, but I was like, I'm taking a break yep. Yep. from everything. Yeah. Because I'd just been going hard. Like, I didn't even live anywhere for six years. Yeah. I was just like hotel to tour bus to Airbnb for a few days on a layover and yep. then next one, next one. And um, for six years. For six years straight. Oh, God, it's yeah. mental. Even like. Um, there was a, a one and a half year period, I think we, we went back and clocked it, where I, uh, I wasn't in a city for more than four days, like, oh. like a particular city. Going, going, going. Yeah, it was, it was really, um, it taught me a lot. Like, yeah. yeah. Once you, you to, to get comfortable in that, it teaches you a lot about yourself and your psyche and your, what's a habit and what's a, a necessity and, how to center yourself when you on the other side of the world, different time zone, haven't slept. And then you have to go and be everything on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And then you sit in a hotel room 30 minutes later, like dead quiet, need to get up in four hours, go to the airport, get on a truck. Like, it's, yeah, it's just, That's it's a so lot. That's so fucked, yeah. man. Yeah. Jeez. So it's like that for like six years. Yeah. So, but COVID was sort of like a bit of a reset where you could. Yeah. It, I literally said, I'm going to take some time off. Yeah. COVID hit. Yeah, <laughs> like a month yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally a month later. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and I was really, really lucky. Uh, a good f- musician friend of mine who I'd worked with a bunch, Daniel Johns. Yeah. yeah. He lived about, I, I also, when COVID happened, I didn't have anywhere to live. Like yeah. I didn't actually live anywhere. Yeah. You can't lock down <laughs> and, if you have no house. And my folks just 
by total coincidence, had taken a, a holiday. They were skiing in Italy. Yeah. yeah. And that's where, co- remember, COVID first, like, really kicked yeah. off in China and then <laughs> yeah. Italy. Yeah. So they were some of the first people that were told, quarantine. you need to go and quarantine at your house and no one's allowed to come over, like... Oh my god! And that happened like the week they started the the thing. The, yeah. the like, okay, no more people in venues. You're yeah. gonna like, yeah, like sit down to have a beer or whatever. So I was like, yeah. oh, no, only do I not live somewhere? I can't even go and like stay with my folks because yeah. they're yeah. on like this lockdown for a few weeks. Fuck. And you know, at that point, it was we didn't know what well. it was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, are they gonna die? Like, yeah, am <laughs> I not gonna be able to go there for months? Oh like, my what? God. Like, what's gonna happen? And then my Dan was like, man, I live in Newcastle. It's a couple hours, you know, up from Sydney. And I got this big house and like, I'd love if you guys want to come there and we'll just like make music and like make most of it. That is so cool. Yeah. It was, and that it was like, so cool. st- I think it was at the start, like 12 of us, like all artists of different facets, like fashion designers, photographers, videographers, musos, mm. singers, whatever. We all just went there and we we're just like cooking up food, making, making beats, making tunes, recording guitars, vocals. And the, the beaches up there are so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to the beach, we're going to the park, going to the lookout, making tunes. Like it was kind of heaven. Sounds like the perfect lifestyle. And, it, and it went from like my life just being on show at all times, always on, always on, always on to like, oh no, I can just fucking eat a, eat a meat pie for breakfast. And yeah. yeah. And go and for like, surf. Shit, yeah. Go like <laughs> just not think about shit, not do admin. And there was, I realized how much of my world with my scene and my career is like you've always got to be thinking of the next thing and then do it better than anybody does. and it was yeah. just like off yeah. just yeah. relax don't worry about anything and I think the best music of my life came from that period because I almost started thinking about it not as an adult and a person that had it as a career but as a child who mm. is just doing something for the love of it for the like I have no intention with this this is just how I feel yeah, yeah and started making awesome. music like that that is so sick. Yeah. Fuck, that's Do you so sort of like take that approach now? Like you sort of step back a little bit and just like. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's an element of you have to really get your chops up like mm. to, to understand the, the complexities of all the different production techniques and the evolution of different plugins that come in that really change the sounds that are possible. Once you have a baseline of that, you still need to keep up to date with it. But you can almost, if, you, if you're not, overly inspired and you, you're not going to write something fantastic and you're not just like beaming to mm. get in the studio just go and have fun yeah. just go and do something enjoyable go and like have a life experience because i think yeah. all, all songs come from a life experience or a, a special moment in time and i started allowing myself to to live more for the moment and like that rather than like, oh, I've got to grind, I've got to grind, I've got to grind. Got to get something out. Yeah, I think once you've grinded enough, you don't need to grind anymore. You need to be like, this is the moment for this kind of um, agenda and outlook and, and, and then this is the moment where I dive wholeheartedly into my creative because I'm just beaming and like ready to make something that's probably one of the best things I've ever made. It's crazy. Like, um, going back to when you're on that grind, like how did you have the time then to make anything you like it's just yeah. like you're sitting on a plane just having a crack dude or? i i i was notoriously there'd be like everyone would be at the festival yeah like the big touring festival i was the guy in the corner on the laptop in headphones while everyone's drinking partying doing whatever yeah, i'm just right. i went sober for years yeah like just because i couldn't have a hangover day yeah yep. if i had a hangover day that was my only half day window to actually make something yeah that I needed to like keep yeah, everything right. going. 
Um, yeah, there was all kinds of like, I became really psychotic on like what I would and wouldn't eat. Yeah, and I, like, <laughs> dude, I I went on like this is before I even knew you know like the keto diet is yeah like, yeah yeah. So I found that without knowing that was even a thing, yeah, right. just by. I changed what I ate because I was trying to find time. Particularly yeah. when I did my first album, and all the beautiful things. Yeah, I was like, my life is chaos. I like I've got to find as much time as I can. And I found if I changed what I ate, I ate less. Right. Mm. So instead of eating three times a day, I was like, I'm very comfortably only eating once or twice a day now, which saves me an hour and a half. <laughs> oh right. So there's an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. I skip a meal yeah. or or skip two meals. There's probably two or three hours. Yeah. Because you know you like you call a mate. Let's go get some. Yeah. Let's yeah, go yeah, get yeah. a brekkie roll. Blah blah. blah. Oh. Go out. Have a chat. Have a coffee. Whatever. There's an hour and a half gone. Yeah. And if I did that, I'd have all the time in the world. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Be fucking yeah. take this podcast so, to the moon. Oh my god. <laughs> so I worked out like. I only ate 10 different types of things for like a year and a half straight. Yeah. And I completely cut out um, I completely cut out sugar. I didn't even eat fruit. And I cut out pretty much all carbohydrates except like in, you know, maybe broccoli or spinach or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. Um, and it, it put me into ketosis because it was mainly fueled off fats and proteins. Mm. And the no sugars meant no highs and lows. I wake up like, I'd had two ready coffees and I yeah. was just amped on life and ready to go. And I went to bed just because I, I was like, I should sleep. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. I was just like, I yeah. Yeah. as soon as I woke up, like just almost like, you know, people that say they're like enlightened and they're just like floating. <laughs> I, every day I was just floating. <laughs> oh my God. And I was just, every task I was focused and every creative thing I did was like, oh, that was the sickest thing I've ever done. Yeah, like, just everything. So cool. And I didn't need to sleep. It was, it was, like once I cut out all the shit, all the like, yeah. the little ingredients and the the sauces that have all this bullshit and blah, it, it was just like my body was just this fucking pure little operating system, <laughs> yeah. you know, just pumping out trash. And, well and I, the I, I like involuntarily went into this like this thing called a biphasic sleeping cycle. So I only I only needed like, and maybe a little nap in the evening or an afternoon. And then I would only have to sleep four hours besides that. Fuck. Fuck, that's mental. Yeah, because like, my body, you can imagine, it didn't have to process all the shit. Yeah. yeah. So then all that energy just went into me being awake, being able to do stuff. Yeah. So that just that gave you more crazy. and more time when you were yeah. hectic. Yeah, that's fucking insane. Yeah, so that's that's one of the things I did. Um, and then I, I think just being very, very disciplined. Yeah. yeah. And um, I focused on... Like being really healthy, I would run. Every, I would run like five miles every morning. Yeah. Um, How many k's is that for all the uh, Australians? That's like eight and a half, <laughs> nine yep. k's. Yeah. Yeah. Every day, and I would go to the gym if I was at a like every time I had an opportunity to go to a gym for free, which is usually every hotel I would stay at. Yeah. The gym, go to the gym before the set, get pumped up, get psyched, go do the set, yep. sleep four hours sleep, wake up, do some yoga, go to the flight, oh. two or three flights, next show. Find one good thing to eat, and then yeah, repeat. Shit. It was repeat. like that for six years, basically. Yeah, far oh, out. And then on the flights, I'm always like, "That's like four hour lock in, no phone, no yeah, internet, no internet, not bugging yeah. you." And I'm just making beats. Yeah, yeah. you're just constantly making little ideas. Yeah. What's What's the track that like? Oh, tell me as an example, or you know, what's one of your biggest tracks that you've made somewhere completely scat that people would just be like, "What the fuck?" I made Inner Bloom. In an Uber on the way to a festival. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> the Inner Bloom remix. Yeah. Um, we we had to drive from um, 
LAX in in um, Los Angeles down to San Bernardino where this New Year's festival was at. Yeah, yep. literally did it on the way down, played it at for, the festival for New Year's festival. Everyone in the car was like, I was just going through like different demo bounces. I don't know. Everyone in the car seemed to play that one. They're like, stop that. What the fuck was that? Because like nobody in the car knew Rufus. Nobody yeah. in the car knew. Yeah. They were just like, what was that? I was like, oh, it's just these friends from Australia. And they, I, I was like playing around with this idea for it. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Played it. Someone, like the only reason that song came out, somebody filmed it. Yeah. And uploaded it to YouTube the next day. Fuck. And the next day it had 50,000 views or something. That is mental. Like on some random dude's YouTube of this <laughs> random song I played at this Made in a news festival in, in San Bernardino. There was yeah. another song you had ages ago that mm. um, there was like a really grainy version that someone had uploaded to SoundCloud from a festival and I forgot what it was. Um, but it finally released. Oh, yeah, it could have been yeah, Go. Yeah, it was Go. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 like, I used to just have this little SoundCloud playlist so <laughs> I'd go back and listen sick. to that and be like, yeah, sick. Like that's just mental that you're just making that shit up like that. That's um, talking about sort of life experience and stuff. One thing I wanted to ask you about because I remember seeing it, it's been like this is fucking insane. Um, tell us about Jaws and surfing. That oh, oh, you mean ship stands? Ship stands, yeah, 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 mate. That was that was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. Certainly, yeah. like I'd say. Bigger than Coachella, bigger than really Splendor, because because you can die. Yeah, for people yeah. listening, like, Sense is a giant like it's like a re- like it breaks onto rocks, right? A yeah, huge it's, a, wave. it's a it's a it's a really really gnarly. I think it's ranked in it's it's like three on the top five most dangerous waves in the world. Like it's it's nuts. Yeah, fuck. And um, I was really grateful. I had uh, I I was in Tassie. Yep. Put up a post like, oh, I see there's a twenty foot swell coming. Like. <laughs> Who wants to fucking take me out of this stupid way? And then some actual pro bodyboarder dudes there were like, we'll take you out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fuck, all right. That's what we got to do this thing. And yeah. I literally just like closed uh, the mix-up tent at Splendor. John Z came up and performed. And it's like, it was kind of the end of the Not All Beautiful Things run. It was like yep. kind of the last time we did yep. that big show like yep. that. And uh, we, we just had on such a, a wild trip with it. Had the best time. And then... Yeah, that proposition came up. And I think, honestly, it was just being so happy and so fulfilled and had had so much joy at Splendor that I had the confidence and, like, I was like, yeah, let's fucking do this. Let's, like, take on some – and it was it was a big step up. Like, I surfed when I was younger and I'd surfed a bit again at that point in my life. But I'd say it was, like, a 50% jump. <laughs> like, a, 50, a whole 50% more extreme than anything I'd ever taken on. And, and like – I wasn't really ready. Yeah. I didn't really know what to do, but uh, it was like some good coaching from the boys of like, like even they, they would say, don't go this one. I'm like, what do you mean? If there's a way that you go, like <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was yeah, my yeah. Sydney crowded surf brain. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, nah, mate, you don't want to go that one. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I'm like, why? Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, just fucking wipe you out, take you to the rocks. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Thank God you guys are here. Yeah, um, but yeah, it changed my life, man. Like, I think everything. I think my brain. I I don't know if you've heard. I've talked about this before, but I had this like out of body experience while I was there. Like when I got in the water, I had like a negotiation with Mother Nature. Like I heard these voices in my head, and like had this whole experience. And and I even I got interviewed by my friend after who was filming, and he interviewed me after, and I'm like talking with a different version of my voice. Yeah, and, like 
Yeah, right. it, it was like I turned into this child version of me that was like, just <laughs> like no ego, no anything. Yeah. No, yeah. It was it was crazy to to see it all and feel all that. But yeah, I had this negotiation where I heard this voice come to me like when I got out in the water, and 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 she was like, "Are you going to respect me?" Wow. And, and then and then I. I challenged it back and I said, yes, are you going to respect me? And then she said, yes. And then I felt like everything I did then was guided. Yeah. I just listened to what I was meant to do in each moment and then I found myself at safety at the other end of it. The footage is fucking insane so as well. Yeah. It's fucking and, um, incredible. The crazy, like, when I was out there, like, I had no increased heart rate. Yeah. I had no fear. My face was just like still. Yeah. Like it was the scarily the calmest I've ever been in my life facing the most frightening thing that I have ever faced yeah. in my life to that point. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. So Insane. Onto onto the tour and the album. Um, yeah. Huge fans, huge fans. One thing <laughs> one thing uh, we wanted to ask you about. There's uh, Holy Pick Collabs on on the album, um, quite a few tracks. What's that process sort of look like with when you're working with someone, you know, there's people from all different ends of the spectrum on there. Yeah. Like how does that, like, it, and I know it's like the DMAs collab. How yeah, did that come it. about? And like, yeah. like the, if you, you know, if someone who hadn't heard of you or the DMAs before ever and listened to one of your tracks and one of theirs, like, oh, there's no way that these guys could work together. Yeah. But it's like a fucking banger. Like how does that happen? Yeah. Well, I look at, I look at collabs like, if you can't imagine yourself on a tour bus with someone for three months, which is like close quarters living, yeah. having a, I'm like, D don't work with them. Yeah. Or at the very least, don't put the song out. Because <laughs> yeah. I've put songs out with people and I'm like, well, you're not a, you're not a good person. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you get tethered to each other for like yeah. months while it's on cycle, even years. Yeah. Or, or yeah. if it's a really big song, like you're just constantly stuck together, you know? Yeah. So I got in, um, that was one of the songs that was really lucky. I'd never met Johnny um, yeah. from the DMAs. But we, we met each other because of COVID because it was pretty much just all these Australian acts who, you know, they're often in the UK a lot and whatever and I'm often in America and Asia and Europe and stuff. And um, we we're all just stuck in Australia and then, you know, all of our collective teams are like, well, who's about? Like, let's, let's go have some fun now. We're allowed yeah. to move a bit. We can't leave, but let, let's work with each other. And um, they popped up as an option. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I like this stuff. That'd be cool met Johnny and we, we hit it off. We were talking about like, uh, you, you know, the band like Underworld and Chemical Brothers yeah. and yeah. and we just both loved them. And then I was like, all right, well, let's like, I've been really into this like breakbeat drum and bass kind of stuff. You want to make something like that? And he's like, hell yeah. So it's just like whip out some synths, uh, whip out some guitars, like start processing some drums and then there we go. And like oh, so we, we, we smashed out most of that tune the first day and he was like, was like I really, really dig this. I, I think I actually want to bring Tommy in to like sing on it as well. So they brought Tommy in and then became like a DMAs thing as well. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah, that's so cool. that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um we did want to ask if if there was anyone out there in the whole entire world, dead or alive, that you could collab with, who would it be? Oh I wonder. I think Prince is always a pretty easy yeah. one to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But then, like, imagine you could go even further. Like, what if you collabed with the creator of the universe? <laughs> yeah. I thought you'd say, like, Elvis or something. That you was know like, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, imagine that collab, yeah. dude. Yeah. Collab yeah. with whoever you spoke to about it. Like it's like an interplanetary song <laughs> yeah. that changes your perception of reality. Yeah. <laughs> sort of yeah. like off Rick and Morty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, get in the ute, Morty. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to Bendigo. <laughs> um, but before we wrap up, uh, what can people expect from the tour? We'll probably put this out on Friday. So, if you're listening on Friday, Sick. Josh and I are going to be at the Brizzy show, uh, the Tivoli. So make sure you come along and say good day. But yeah, what can people expect if uh, if they're coming along to the to the rest of the tour? Well, it is the most detailed, complex, and exciting show that I've ever made in my whole career. The most planning. I worked on it for like three years. Yep, and Fuck. it's a full audio visual experience. We um we actually did a, a tour in America in these special. Uh, dome rooms and and surround rooms where that was an immersive show and we've taken the sort of main adaptation storyline and then we brought it back to australia and figured out a way to portray that just on traditional rooms that are sort of just a stage at the front and we've got all these different production techniques we had a hologram that we got together for last week yeah it's (laughs) like it really is like i'm just so excited to do it i'm doing live synthesis live singing live drumming on top of all like the big more DJ feeling moments as well. So yeah, it's, it's sick. And we got the first one under our belts last week yeah. and it I, I wasn't even fully happy with it. And then I watched back the footage. and I was like, Oh, that was fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like fuck what I think. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, there was a couple of things like one of my synths like became disarmed somehow and muted. And then I, I was like, while I'm on stage, like trying to work out how to fix it, follow the cables back and see where to go. Fuck. But like, no one knows that stuff, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, but then I watched back the footage and I was like, oh, none of that matters. Like, it looks so mad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, much DMB on the card. Oh yeah, <laughs> Dude, it's it's got like 15 unreleased tracks in the set. Too. Oh fuck! Oh, <laughs> <my God. laughs> that's what we before. We sitting there like, what is yeah. this? What is this? Oh, that's so. Sick. And I also because because of all the time we had through COVID and and like touring being a lot different post COVID, I went over my entire What's Or Not back catalogue and started grabbing the best little samples of different moments and started fusing them with new songs, unreleased songs, other friends' songs. So it's it's just a whole set of everything you might know that in a way that you've never heard it before and then all this unreleased material as well. And then it's all like encompassing with this uh, this full visual storyline. Like I pretty much made a movie that we turned into a show that is this uh, the Anomaly live mode. So sick. Well, I yeah. think it might sell out after looking <laughs> yeah. at this. I'm fucking, I'm fucking chomping at the bit. Yeah, you're fucking crazy if you're not coming along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's so, sick. so excited. Um, just before we go, dream venue. You could play if you play anywhere in the world. Where would it be? Oh. The Tivoli on Friday night, but obviously, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I this the I've done Coachella like three times now. It's fucking magic. Love yeah. that. Um, Lollapalooza South America was really special too. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest shows I've done in probably non-English first language countries. Yep. Um, I still haven't done Glastonbury. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, but like my, my sound isn't as big in like the, the UK sort of scene because they kind of have their own version of all our stuff that's like I going to say, there's some boys from Brizzy that are killing it over there at the moment. Yeah. Um, X Club. X Club. Oh, yeah, sick. They're awesome. from Brizzy. Yeah. yeah. Sick. I they're love those up, dudes. They're absolutely killing it over yeah, there. Yeah, their sound worked perfect for yeah. where yeah. that scene's going over yeah. there. Yeah. So sick. Yeah. yeah. Them and skin on skin and stuff. Yeah. They're all fucking killing oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, 
Skinner skin from here? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He's yeah, so. yeah, because he was yeah. UV boy. Yeah, I remember UV boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Talk all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's another one that we used to see every fucking weekend. Jeez, we were lucky. Yeah, we were pretty day. lucky. Just yeah. actually, sorry, last one. Um, is there any like up and coming acts that you reckon oh. might not be out there that you think are going to be big in the next couple of years? Yeah, the, I mean, even for this tour, I did mm. a reach out to see all the best local accents. I was like, who's really the best? Like not who's yep. getting the gigs already, but who's the best who maybe people don't know about. And so many, I got, there's like thousands of comments on it. And I, I got mm. this like spreadsheet sent to me of like everyone that was suggested, their, their link to their music. And I went and listened to everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then I put like uh, four of them on the shows. Yeah, cool. Hectic. Yeah. So there's someone cool. in, on Friday night who'll be uh, supporting. I can't remember how to pronounce the name. But it's, uh, uh, I'd have to have a look. It's we'll check it out, though. We'll, we'll share it. Has it been announced yet? Well, I don't think it has. Um, it's a girl named... Look, 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 what was it? Do you know the one nah, I'm talking about? No, no. We actually, though, before we do finish, yeah. one of our mates, he's a aspiring young producer, and we're always writing him. We're like, come on, you got to start getting your shit out there and posting and stuff. Yeah. I was wondering if i give you another headset if you listen to one of his tracks. Yeah, I'll take a listen. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy the guy we had in Perth, um, Own Life, yeah. he was so sick. He did this live uh, vocal performances uh, with this granular synthesis kind of music. Yeah, right. This breakbeat stuff, halftime stuff. It was so sick. That's so dope. Yeah. So before we wrap up, this is friend of the show, Mater, Music by Mater. Uh, I messaged him before. I said, no questions asked. Just send me the biggest track, unreleased track you have, and he sent me this. Can you hear all right through those yeah. headphones? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I can't hear the song yet, but it's... Oh, like no, it's <laughs> coming, yeah. I want your touch. So we need to get some inspiration for him because we're always like, come on, man, you got to be posting, getting your shit out there, and he's like... Because I, I reckon he's a gun. Yeah, you got to. Like, if you don't get out there, no one's going to know about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Cruise through to the drop. Sick. So, Adam, if you're listening... Fucking get off your ass and Get off your ass, mate. You could have been on the support on Friday night. <laughs> you if could you have been. This is sick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but thank you so much, mate, for jumping on. Um, as we said, obviously, we're huge fans. Um, pretty surreal moment for us. Uh, good luck for the rest of the tour. And, yeah, we'll see you on Friday night. It's going to be epic. Mad dog. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Go get your tickets, people. Let's get fucking weird. Yeah, Thanks get for the good. chauffeuring, boys. Nah, it's all good. good. No worries. Anytime. Straight from work. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. yeah, mate. See you, guys. Thank you. Legends. Clutzy, have you heard about the brand new way to make money? No. Do you want to hear about it? Yes, please tell me more. It's a foolproof method. Foolproof? Yeah, foolproof, yeah. Foolproof is yeah. the word I'm looking for, method. Uh, it's called going to dominoes.com.au and entering the, the code BBB2DL and getting two pizzas and two sides from $25 delivered. Oh, so you're basically getting it for free. You're basically getting it for free. You're basically making money at that price. They're giving it away. That is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why I haven't done it before. It's one of the fucking simplest life hacks I've ever I've ever come across in my life. Uh, do you want to tell the lovely people about their brand new pizza, the Philly cheesesteak? Oh my God, yes I do. The Philly cheesesteak. Now, for those who don't know what a Philly cheesesteak is, it's this glorious thing on a bun usually with uh, a bunch of nicely finely chopped up meat and just uh, capsicum peppers and cheese and Domino's have just gone where 
We've heard Klutzy talk about Philly cheesesteaks way too many times. So we've chucked it on a pizza so the big fella can just keep eating and eating and eating them. I've seen Klutzy get very, very excited over food plenty of times, but I've never <laughs> seen him get as excited and as animated as the first time he tried the Philly cheesesteak pizza. So if you're out and about this weekend and you need your pizza fixed, make sure you go to Domino's. Uh, try the Philly cheesesteak pizza. There's a host of codes which are pinned on our Instagram and in our Facebook group to give you a cheeky little discount too. Uh, plenty of different bundles, so check them out. And thank you to Domino's for supporting the show this week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.